Today is January 5th, 2023. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. Welcome to the show. We're here to talk about boxing. Um, this year is really kicking off with a bang. Saturday, January 7th. We're bringing in the new year with an electrifying matchup. Showtime's giving us a card that is jam-packed with both talent and action. We got one of the biggest stars in the sport returning to the ring when Gervonta Tank Davis takes on Hector Luis Garcia. If you're not familiar with Hector Luis Garcia, pay attention. I love this matchup. This is an interim bout, really, before we get Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia. But this is not a tune-up in any way, shape, or form. Hector Garcia is the exact type of guy to play spoiler. He's unbeaten. He's on a hot streak. He has power. He has confidence. He has experience. This guy is a former Olympian. He's also trained by one of the best trainers in the sport. In fact, if it wasn't for Derek James, I would say Bob Santos was trainer of the year. Not only did he lead Hector Garcia to two huge victories, he got Carlos Adamas an interim title at 160. He got Alberto Pueyo a championship at 140. He's had a hell of a year as a trainer, but Hector Garcia versus Tank Davis is going to be his toughest task. Hector Garcia was 20, was a 25 to 1 underdog against Chris Colbert and he destroyed him. That earned him a title shot at 130 against Roger Gutierrez, where Garcia won almost every single round by simply just outworking the champion, landing cleaner power shots, and walking away with the strap. I wouldn't call an undefeated champion a tune-up. So whoever's saying this is just a tune-up, you're dead wrong. You're either ignorant or completely missing what Hector Luis Garcia has done. This is going to be a real fight. I hope Tank is fully prepared. As most know by now, Tank was arrested less than two weeks ago after a domestic violence call. The old media was quick to crucify Javante Davis based on a phone call. No evidence whatsoever. Just a phone call and an arrest, and the media was quick to crucify Tank. And don't get me wrong, Tank has displayed less than admirable behavior in the past on camera, where he grabs his then-girlfriend by the wrist, escorts her out of a basketball game, it looks like. But we can't assume guilt years later with a different woman, different situation, different Tank Davis, really, as far as I'm concerned. It was ridiculous. Shortly after the arrest, the woman involved recanted her story, and if you heard the, the phone call, you yourself would probably have a little suspicion as to what went on. But again, this isn't proof of innocence either. But it's a perfect example as why we should wait and see how things play out. We have this sickness where people just want to be first, first, first. I got to be the first to report this news. Instead of damn near tearing your hamstring, jumping to conclusions, maybe we should wait and see. The fact that Dana White, who is the face of a company, UFC, 
which is under the Disney banner, was on camera repeatedly smacking his wife during a physical altercation. And listen, I get it. Dana White was hit first by his wife, whatever. The, the fact is he's on camera smacking a woman. He didn't get nearly as much negative press that Tank got is really telling. You do the math. You tell me why. I'm not here to speculate. You tell me why. Back in 2014, Dana White claimed there's no coming back from putting hands on a woman in the UFC. You can't do that. That's no coming back. No excuses. Well, I wonder if he still believes that. But I digress. I'm not here to judge every person. I'm more of a fan of the art, not necessarily the artist. If we go through every single person, every movie we like, every sport we like, every business we attend or put our money into, and we look at everyone's background, there's going to be some pretty shitty people in there, isn't there? Are we just going to not do anything, not watch anything, not partake in anything because there's some bad people in the world? No. Take Kevin Spacey, for example. If he was in this room right now, I'd probably smack the head off of his shoulders for some of the things he's done. But does that mean Usual Suspects isn't one of the greatest films ever made? No, it doesn't mean that. Like I said, I'm a fan of the art, not the artist. There's a difference. I think in life we really need to think about that. But I'm going on a tangent here. I don't want to get too involved in this stuff. I want to stick to the sport of boxing and that's what I'm here to break down. Hector Garcia is 19-0 with 10 knockouts. Tank Davis is 27-0, 25 knockouts. This is Southpaw versus Southpaw. Hector has real power. He also throws combinations. He has a much higher volume than Javante Tank Davis. For an example, Hector Garcia in his last fight threw 733 punches in his last fight that went the distance. Javante Tank Davis, his last fight was against Roley. He knocked him out, but his last fight that went the distance, he threw only 462 punches. Huge difference there. Both guys landing incredible rate on their power shots. They use the jab, but usually it's to set up a bomb. Tank is landing close to 40% of his power shots in his last few fights, while Hector Garcia landing 45% of his power shots. I've often said Tank's patience is what impresses me the most personally, but the negative to that is he starts slow. It's something that he actually acknowledged recently and said he needs to change, so that's good. He knows his flaws, so we'll see, because he won't have time in this fight to really be patient. Hector Garcia starts fast. He's going to look to jump on Tank early. And I think that's a great game plan because, like I said, Tank starts slow. Hector can jump on him, get the judges to really kind of change their mind on what they think is going to happen, make the audience a little tense. You know, everyone goes in there thinking Tank's just going to knock everyone out. Hey, you never know. This guy's a real fighter. Tank throws only 34 punches per round. That's the lowest in the entire sport of boxing let me repeat that 34 punches per round for tank the least amount in all of boxing but even with that low output tank has a 93 percent knockout rate 
devastating puncher. That's third in the entire sport. I think Tank will be forced to throw more than his average in this fight. I think the jab will be used much more effectively than his last few fights. Tank has tremendous speed. He has the ability to dip low, even as a short guy. He dips really low and still maintains his power. It's a credit to his balance because even when he looks out of position, he can still land something that will send you to the canvas. Some of the best fighters in the sport had that one devastating weapon. I always think of Deontay Wilder, the straight right hand. That right hand comes to mind, that specific shot. Not the left of Wilder, the right. Nonito Donaire, one of my favorite fighters. Left hook, incredible left hook. One of the best weapons in the sport. But again, one weapon. Devin Haney. Devin Haney has more to his game, but the jab is where you start with Devin Haney. The incredible jab. Ryan Garcia, left hook. Devastating left hook. The thing about Tank is he has a plethora of punches that he could hurt you with. And he's never out of position to land him, land them. Back to the balance. That's why it's so important. He can hit the shot from any angle. He's got the lead right hook. He's got the straight left hand. He's got uppercuts from either side. Any of these punches can end the fight in an instant. That's the danger when you're fighting Javante Tank Davis. It's like walking a tightrope. One mistake, you're done. I can't wait for this fight. Like I said, Hector Garcia is going to bring it. I see this fight going a few rounds. I do. I see it going maybe eight, nine rounds before Tank can catch him. But if he doesn't catch him, I wouldn't be that shocked. Because like I said, Hector Garcia is going to be so prepared. The training, the run he's on, the confidence he has. This is going to be a blast. It's going to be a fun one to to watch. Both guys throwing bombs, and I can't wait for it. Javante Tank Davis, his defense has been lacking in in some big fights. He's been touched up a few times by Leo Santa Cruz, by Mario Barrios. Roley was hitting him early. He's susceptible to get hit with some big shots. So if if, um, Hector Garcia can land something early big, then we're in for an incredible fight. I got Tank, like I said, an eight. But Garcia is going to make it interesting in those early rounds. Guarantee it. While the main event of this card is what's getting all the buzz and it's extremely intriguing, this whole card is going to be fun. On the non-televised portion, which I believe is available on YouTube, we have Brandon Lee. 140-pounder. Kind of borderline between prospect and contender. Not quite a contender yet. But he has to be above that prospect level by now. But I love the move of putting him on YouTube. Brandon Lee has natural talent, but he needs to work on his craft more. He's been caught a lot slipping early in fights. Um, We push these guys a little too slow sometimes. Other times, we push them a little too fast. Like, not every developmental fight needs to be televised. We're in an era now where a lot of these these lower-level fights get televised because you have a lot of talent on the A side that they want to get exposure I get that. But these younger guys need real work and real experience. Those type of fights don't always make for an exciting television performance. But it's still necessary. So I like that this fight isn't on pay-per-view. 
but it's still available for the audience that wants to go out of their way to see Brandon Lee. Like I said, I believe it's on YouTube, probably around 7 p.m. But the main pay-per-view card of this is stacked. We got Boo Boo Andrade back in action. This time, finally, on the PBC side of things, signed with PBC. It makes the most sense for his career, in my opinion. All of the opponents worth a damn in or around his division are on the PBC side of the play, really. This fight will be his first at 168. Kind of a showcase here. I don't even feel like mentioning his opponent. He's not worth my time. I think Andrade, or Andrade, however you want to say his name, is one of the most talented fighters in boxing. I think it's a shame he hasn't had the chance to step in with a dance partner to really display those skills to see how uh, high of a caliber fighter he is. He's had some bad luck too, though. He was supposed to fight Billy Joe Saunders way before Canelo ever did. But uh, Billy Joe Saunders failed the drug test and that derailed those plans. Boo Boo, statistically top three in defense in the entire sport. He's up there with Shakur Stevenson and Dimitri Beeble, guys that do not get hit very often. He's an awkward southpaw. Talked about Tank Davis dipping low. Demetrius Andrade is a tall fighter who dips extremely low and will pop back up with a long overhand left, and he throws uppercuts from literally out of nowhere. Very unorthodox fighter. But he can also relax and just outpoint you with a jab. Extremely talented is Andrade. Andrade. He has shown more power at 160 than he did ever at 154. He's dropped everyone he's faced at 160. It'll be interesting to me to see if the speed and the power carry up to 168. This will be his first fight at the new division. It's really like a tune-up, like I said. Not a tune-up, but just kind of like a reset for his career. Like, hey, I'm here now. I'm at 168. And then after this fight, he'll be in great position to make the big fights he's been longing for ever since he turned pro. He wants the Charlos, the Benavidez of the world. Canelo, of course. Caleb Plant. He's willing to step in the ring with any of these guys. And I think he's a tough matchup for all of them. I really do. Hopefully he puts on a show, opens up the card with a bang, and uh, calls someone out and we can go from there and, and really kickstart this second half of his career. And hopefully he gets uh, the credit that he deserves if he gets in there with these bigger guys, these bigger name guys. Up next on the fight card, we have one that's going to steal the show, potentially. Rashidi Ellis. Speedy Rashidi. They call him that for a reason. One of the fastest hands in the sport. Hence the nickname. Speedy Rashidi. Up against a rugged, rugged knockout artist. He's going against Romain Villa. This dude is tough. 25-1, 24 knockouts. Only two people have ever... Saw the distance with him. This dude is coming to take Rashidi's head off. Come forward, throw bombs. Pretty straightforward with this guy. He's coming to hurt whatever he punches. Rashidi, on the other hand, like I said, tremendous speed. Can use the jab. Goes to the body really well. Good footwork. I expect a good one here. Rashidi Ellis needs this victory. Hopefully he can pull it off. Again, he's in there with a tough test. Besides Tank, he's got the toughest fight on this card. Other guys are in showcases. He's in a real fight. The winner of this will be in position probably to fight Boots Ennis. But it's weird to me because Boots 
and Rashidi could have made this fight happen. They could have fought each other as the co-main in this card. For some reason, they couldn't come to an agreement. I don't really want to hear the excuses. Both guys have excuses. I mean, neither one of them are bringing in enough money to really play the A-side, B-side type things. Pay each other, pay the guys relatively the same payday and make it happen. They both need it right now. And like I mentioned, Rashid, uh, Boots Ennis, he is in the co-main. He's fighting a guy named Karen. That's all you need to know about his opponent. He's fighting a Karen. He's going to destroy this dude in probably three rounds or less. Boots Ennis, one of the most talented fighters in the sport from Philly, has uh, Roy Jones-esque. I don't want to compare him to Roy Jones, Roy Jones, but he does have that type of style where it's like he can do anything. He can jump out there with power shots. He doesn't even need to fill you out. He just comes in and throwing bombs. He relies on his athleticism, his power, his speed. He's a beast. He jumps off the page, jumps off the screen with his twitch to him. Like his his reflexes, his his timing. Everything is on point. And when he wants to, he can be slick. He can make you miss. He can pop the jab and dip dip under your shot and come over the hand with the right. This dude is nasty. He's going to put this guy, Karen, probably in the hospital. Let's be real here. He's going to beat the hell out of this dude. Feel bad for him. Never saw him before. We'll probably never hear from this dude again. Jerron Ennis is going to beat the brakes off this boy. Hopefully the kid's getting paid because he's going to take a beating on pay-per-view that will make highlight reels, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. You're going to see this highlight for a long time. I'm telling you, I'm not... This isn't a prediction. It's a spoiler. He's going to knock this dude out. They're going to be sweeping the ring afterwards because there's going to be bodily fluids everywhere. It's going to be a mess. He's going to destroy this guy. So hopefully Ennis can get in there uh, with a real fighter after this. I'm tired of the tune-ups with him. He has had a couple of names on his resume, Delorme and uh, Lippinets. Those were good quality uh, step-up opponents. But... The time is now. Someone got to step in the ring with him. And he also, I'm not just blaming everyone else. Because they aren't really, like like I said with the Ellis and Ennis situation. They're not trying to jump out of their way to fight guys either. I get it. They want Spence. They want Crawford. They want a title shot. As they deserve it. But something's got to give here. We got to get Boots some competition. Because I don't want to see a guy... Get to the to championship level where he hasn't even gone past like eight rounds or whatever the case is. Something like that. Six or eight rounds. He hasn't gone too deep in a fight. And that's not a bad thing necessarily either. Because he's doing the damage. He's he's not failing you out. He's coming there and running through you. You're, on his, you're not on his level. He's getting you out of there, which is great. I just want to see guys at the top get matched up with boots. So we can really see his full arsenal on display. But that's Saturday night, January 7th, live on Showtime pay-per-view. I believe the card begins at 9 p.m. on the East Coast. Talent here is off the charts. Come to see Tank Davis. Stay to see Boots Ennis, Rashidi Ellis, Boo Boo Andrade. The talent is there in the sport. This card is a perfect example of how deep this sport is and rich with talent. 
tune in. If you're a casual, watch the entire card. If you, Like I said, if you're only scared to see Tank, please watch this hot entire card and you will become a fan of the other fighters on it. For the hardcores, you already know what you're getting. You're getting your value. You're getting your money's worth if you order this pay-per-view. Unless you're one of those people saying, oh, Tank's fighting a, a bum. Tank's fighting a tune-up. Just say you don't know about boxing. It's cool. We have podcasts here to, to inform you. I'm one of them. But again, everyone has an opinion. This just happens to be mine. Thank you guys for listening. Tune in next week. I'll have a recap of this fight and I'll preview what's next to come in the year. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Give me that five-star review. Like it, subscribe, all that extra shit that you already know. I don't have to remind you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys listening. Hope you're having a great year. 2023 is going to be an incredible year in the sport of boxing, and I will be here to break it all down. I'm out.